Hey, Northeast Pennsylvania, it's Rob O'Donnell here on WILK News Radio, 103.1 FM, 910-980 AM, or anywhere on that Odyssey app. You can also catch us anywhere you get your favorite podcast. Just search The Rob O'Donnell Show. Well, it's 309 here in the station in Pittston, 48 degrees, rainy and dreary outside. Temperature's supposed to go down pretty much uh, into fall now, I guess, this weekend. I told you to enjoy it, but... Uh, it's probably the last of the good weather for a while, at least. Uh, at least the warm, sunny weather. I was up in uh, Saratoga Springs. I missed you guys on Friday. I hope uh, you guys enjoyed Sue Henry. I know I always do when she's in. But, yeah, celebrating that 28th wedding anniversary. Had a great time. Did a little everything. Went to a comedy show. You know, had some meals out. Went to uh, one of the pumpkin patches up there. Did a tour of the farm and uh, you know some local wineries up in the Saratoga area and just hung out with friends. Had a good time. Nice. Decompressed a little bit. Relaxed. And uh, enjoyed enjoyed the time away. And then here we are the day before Halloween on this Monday, October 30th, 2024. What's your, uh, what's your Halloween plans? Do you have anything? As an adult, uh, you're looking for the kids to come. Do you wait for the trick-or-treaters? Do you go out to your own party? What do you, what do, you do out there? be interesting to find that out and uh you know at the four o'clock hour we're going to talk about the creepiest places in all the 50 states including here in pennsylvania and some of the locales around us i posted it on my social media rob o'donnell on facebook if you want to check it out and see where if you know if you're into that visiting these creepiest places these so-called haunted places or places that uh some of them got some real real uh interesting stories to them i've been at a few of them you know, for New Mexico, it is Roswell, New Mexico, I guess, for the alien connection. You know, I've been out there, spent some time out there. It's an interesting place to uh, visit. Not much to do, but an interesting place to visit. What's interesting out there is all the bars and restaurants close by, like, 11 o'clock. There's really no nightlife there whatsoever. You, you'd think different it being Roswell, New Mexico. Uh, but they they do have a flying saucer coming out of Mc, uh, their out of their McDonald's, and they have alien heads as their lampposts as you go down their main street there. So it is something to check out. What else do we got? Oh, I'm going to have the commanding officer, the former commanding officer of the USS Cole, on Friday. He was the the skipper of the USS Cole when the terrorist attack happened on that. And with everything going in the Middle East, with uh, two carrier battle groups and a Marine Expeditionary Unit. You know, Commander Kirk, Leopold Kirk, Kirk Leopold, I'm sorry, Kirk is his first name. Kirk Leopold will be here uh, on Friday via phone to call in and give us his expertise on, you know, when the, was it two weeks ago now, when the USS Kearney interdicted those incoming ballistic missiles, cruise missiles, and uh, drones. And with everything that's going on there, especially being involved with a terrorist attack himself on his ship you know with our with our many of our ships in that area both in the med the red sea and off of uh off of uh, israel they they are definitely targets uh we are flying airstrikes we had some more yesterday where we struck some uh sites in libya where they were storing weapons and a convoy that was coming in from uh from iraq so our, our air assets out there are are being active, and, uh, you know, it'll be good to have his expert opinion. So he'll be in on, on Friday. Uh, Tuesday, like always, we have Tuesdays with Tommy, and you know, tomorrow's also Halloween. So 
I don't know. I'm not a big Halloween guy, so I've never really been. So I don't do much on Halloween. But uh, if it's something you're into and it's something you do, I know I have a lot of friends who really uh, go above and beyond for Halloween as far as decorating and getting all set up. My brother's very big into it and gets, uh, I don't know, cases of full-size Hershey bars and has a line at his door, you know, wherever he is. So we'll have that there. And, you know, we're going to talk about some things locally. I saw this story, and again, I, I really don't have skin in the game for the Wilkes-Barre mayor's race, but I saw that the, the Citizen's Voice, Steve Mokarski wrote an article about uh, the two people running for mayor there, Brown and uh, this individual crop. Let me see, George Brown points to a record of accomplishments and more left to do as the reasons for serving as a second term of mayor in Wilkes-Barre and Harry L. Kropp, the third, says he deserves the post because he has better ideas. Now, looking through the article, and again, I don't have a skin in the game. I don't really know a lot of the things they've done, you know, I've, the things I've seen here done in Wilkes-Barre. The fact that uh, Mayor Brown, since the, his inception there, has taken a pay cut saving the taxpayers of Wilkes-Barre. But this, this individual, Harry L. Kropp, says that he, he uh, will also take a pay cut. The Post pays about $82,000 a year, but Brown says he'll take a rate of 80000 He accepted a reduced salary of 60000 his first three years and accepted $70,000 this year. And he's only taking 80000 next year when he's entitled to 82000 He also declines health benefits for all four years and a health care buyout for the first three years. Now, Brown goes into his history there and what he's done. And if you live in Wilkes-Barre, you know better than I do. You know, I, I know some of the points there. I, I really like the idea of the skate park and the concerts and the things they've done there. Police department seems to be doing a very good job there. Seems to be in well hands. And, and some of the things that were said here, and, and you guys know my political leanings. You know my, my take on things. But I call it out as I see it. And I guess this individual, Harry L. Kropp, is a Republican. But some of the things that he pointed to in his article in The Citizen's Voice um, just raised an eyebrow on me to where I had to do a little research on this. And again, I'm not going to get into the nuts and bolts of this mayor's race that I really don't have a say in, but a lot of the listeners here do. So, you know, I figure I'd get into it. And there's a listing, and you can go to the article in The Citizen's Voice and look at it for yourself. There's a listing of the accomplishments that Mayor George Brown says he's done and has done. I shouldn't say says he's done, that, 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 that are done. His administration spent $8 million to pay 40 streets, as well as $12 million for the public square streetscape improvements, installation of new sidewalks, curbing and ADA improvements. Uh, we know about the skate park. Uh, over 8,400 financially qualified households received $300 stimulus checks, totaling $2.5 million. Owner-occupied home improvement fund provided 244 households. You know, a, a lot of this is federal money coming in, but you need a good mayor, a good manager to decide where this it goes and it goes to appropriate issues. You know, we talk about the $1.79 million to city parks, including handicap-accessible improvements and equipment to Kirby Park and, and uh, Barney Farms Park, construction of the new street park at uh, McGarriger Street, and the skate park. 
and he talks about future improvements. You know, he wants another term to to continue what he's gone on. Now, Kropp said his first priority in mayor would be eliminating property taxes for homeowners over 65 years of age. That's easy to say. And it appears for this article, that's all he did. You know, there's a lot of elderly losing their homes, and it's my first priority, first week, first day, Kropp said. Asked how he would accomplish that and still maintain adequate revenue, Kropp said that it wouldn't be hard. He said uh, that he had a written plan at home but forgot to bring it for the interview. Kind of the dog ate my homework. Uh, he said it would email it to the reporter, but after several attempts and by the end of last week, he did not do that. Reminded that earlier this year he had talked to getting counsel into decriminalizing marijuana in the city of Wilkes-Barre. Former law enforcement, you guys know my background. I think that's a big mistake, especially at the city level. And again, he, he's looking to the getting counsel to decriminalize marijuana in the city, award licenses to some retailers, and then tax sales to increase revenue. It's really a state function. I don't even know if the city can do that, but I'm not a legal expert on selling marijuana, so who knows? Crop said doing so would fund a lot of things. And again, there's no recreational marijuana in the state right now, right? It's just medical, I believe. Again, not my forte. I've dealt with it on the criminal level. He says that, well, it would fund a lot of things in other cities. So basically, we could sell legal mar marijuana in Wilkes-Barre, and from the taxes, we could do a lot of good things with it. And, and then he goes on to say, it's not like marijuana is bad. It's not as bad as alcohol. You know you're not going to smoke marijuana and crash your car into somebody or go home and beat your wife. That doesn't happen. Now, that's a quote. I'm going to read that quote again. It's not like marijuana is bad. It's not as bad as alcohol. You know, you're not going to smoke marijuana and crash your car into somebody or go home and beat your wife. That doesn't happen. And that, that's his direct quote. So I did a little research on that. And since recreational marijuana was legalized in Colorado, traffic deaths where drivers tested positive for marijuana increased 138%, while all Colorado traffic deaths increased 29%. That's coming from the NIH.gov. And you can have your opinion on marijuana. I'm just saying the statistics are the statistics, especially when there are real there is really no field sobriety test for law enforcement in this nation anywhere for marijuana. And he talked about the second part of that quote was, uh, you don't go home and beat your wife. That doesn't happen. Well, I also looked up Colorado domestic violence and. Uh, 2022 had the highest record of domestic violent deaths in Colorado. And it's steadily increased since they legalized recreational marijuana. So, again, I bring receipts. And, again, there's a Republican running for the, the, uh, the, for the mayor in Wilkes-Barre. You know, I just don't give, uh, you know, because you have an R or D behind your name, I just don't give you a pass. You know, he also wants to go after Wilkes University and King's College to pay their share of property taxes and other nonprofits to pay their fair share. He doesn't think that Mayor Brown is adequately enforcing quality of life ordinances. He would like to see council increase fines and would mobilize code enforcement officers. He thinks that Boscovs should move from South Main Street to the Wyoming Valley Mall in Wilkes-Barre Township. I think it's not the mayor's duty to try to push private business to go anywhere. But again, that's just my my talk. And then he goes into law enforcement. He says policing is ineffective and he would provide more oversight 
of the police department and spend time with the police chief on the streets. He believes the mayor's office should be the police station. Well, I'd like to know what your qualifications are as far as law enforcement goes at all. A, A good sign of a good leader, be it a mayor, be it anyone, is to get the right people, that would be your police chief, have trust in them, support them, and let them do the job that they were hired to do professionally. Um, you know, I think Mayor Brown, from what I've seen, is a very good mayor. I don't know if he'd be a very good police chief. Again, I don't know that. I would think not, because usually that's not your skill set as a mayor. Your skill set is managing people and assets of a city. So, that's what I saw in this, and if you live in... Uh, You, uh, if you live in the city of Wilkesbury, pay attention to uh, who's running for your elected office there. But just a couple of quotes there that I saw that jumped right out at me. The one being the uh, the driving and domestic violence as far as marijuana. It doesn't affect those things. And if you look at Colorado as a snapshot and other places that have legalized it, it's very similar. So, you know, that's my uh, two cents on that. It's 322 here at WILK. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show in just a minute. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. Um, one of the things that uh, over the well, it started last week. You remember the girl? She was she was a German Israeli, and she when when the invasion first took place in uh, was it October seventh now. She was being paraded around half naked, looked like her leg was broken or at least in a very weird position, face down in the back of the pickup truck. And then there was uh, talk, and even from the woman's mother, saying that she was contacted by Hamas and she was safe and being treated in the hospital. And everybody was like, oh, haha, you know, you look, you jump to conclusions. See, they're humanitarian. She's being treated in the hospital. She's fine. She's not dead. Well, it turns out she was always dead. It turns out not only was she dead, but she was beaten, raped, and decapitated. Those are the things that are going on with these Hamas terrorists that have uh, been attacking Israel. And with with all that going on, you you have um, Americans running around our streets uh, supporting that. And I'm generalizing it. Yes, I am. But if you look at a lot of these protests, if you look at a lot of the speeches, I mean, if you look at the, the messages that... What was it Colgate University up here in northern New York, just north of us, or two hours north of us? Or Cornell, I'm sorry, Cornell. Where they were getting anonymous death threats on their, their, on their uh, college chat. Multiple to where the college had to, the university had to dispatch extra police officers to uh, protect the dorm where they, they are commonly... I guess their classes are held at or wherever it is, the Jewish population there. And this has been going on everywhere. And then you have the, the you know, from the river to the sea, which means basically we want to exterminate Israel. We want to get rid of Israel. And I really, I'm not going to go through it here because I already have, but you really need to know the history of that area and, and who was really the colonizer and who wasn't and how many times it's changed hands and what, what the real process of that was. But But to get back to my point, is, you know, here, here's a poor young lady. I think she was 23, an Israeli-German girl who was there for the peace conference, for the peace, peace concert that was right on the border. You know, they took her. Those were some of the images early on in this attack from Hamas in southern Israel. 
and then it kind of twisted to where, oh, no, she was being treated. They, they just took her to get, they were taking her to get medical treatment. She was injured, you know, incidentally. And, and this, no, no, they beat her. They raped her. They decapitated her. The, the Israeli forces found the body uh, and, and view video and photographic evidence. I believe the family has made positive ID. And this is, this is what's going on there. There's, there's a lot more to be seen. But, uh, you know, that was one of the other things this weekend that came out. As well as, you know, just the end of last week, the retaliatory strikes from the United States military because the Biden administration has been getting, you know, beat up on, hey, they've attacked us, what, 30 times, 33 times? They're still holding you American hostages and, and you have yet to strike any of the low launching sites that have attacked us. So over the weekend on Friday and again this weekend and again just yesterday, our air forces had struck uh, some of those places, the most recent being late last night, a convoy coming in from Iraq to the area. U.S. fighter jets did destroy that convoy. And uh, we'll see if we get more on that. Just so you know, if you're in the... Well, you are in the area because you're listening. Deadline to request a mail-in ballot is tomorrow, Tuesday. Voters advised to return ballots as soon as possible. Voters who wish to request a mail-in ballot... For the November 7th, need to do it by 5 p.m. Tuesday. This is a state-mandated deadline for Pennsylvania voters to apply for a mail-in ballot. Voters may apply in person at their county's election bureau. Or you can go to the Pennsylvania voter website. The Luzerne County Election Bureau is in Suite 207 of the county-owned Penn Place building in Wilkes-Barre. The street address is 20 North Pennsylvania Avenue, but the main entrance is on the East Market Street. The bureau is normally open from Monday through Friday from 9 to 4.30, but it'll stay open till 5 p.m. on Tuesday, says the county manager. you think it would stay open till 5 o'clock again today, but no, just Tuesday, from what the article says. Election officials are advising voters to, who choose to return ballots via the U.S. mail to do so as soon as possible to ensure they are received by the Election Bureau by the deadline of 8 p.m. on November 7th. They must physically be received by the Bureau, not postmarked. So just so you're aware, you need to have your, uh, by 5 o'clock tomorrow, you need to request a mail-in vote ballot if that's what you're doing. And it needs to be mailed out as soon as possible. My experience with requesting a mail-in ballot is they're not going to rush to get it to you. And you're probably going to have to hand deliver it. Because I think I got my mail-in ballot a few days before it had to be in. And I was legitimately out of state for my mail-in ballot. Doing some temporary work down in Virginia. So, uh... Had to bring it up physically and put it in or else it would not have been here by in time. So just so you're aware, those are some deadlines you need to, and get out and vote. I don't care who you are looking for, who you're going for. Have your voice heard. You need to vote. It's uh, 331 here at WILK. It's time for the news with Paul Michaels. We'll be back. You're with the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It's 337, 49 degrees and cloudy and rainy. It was raining when I came in. I don't know if it's still raining right now, but it says cloudy on my computer. Could be raining. Could not be. Depends where you are, I guess. Uh, it looks like uh, the White House 
is doing a briefing right now. John Kirby and the press secretary are up there. Obviously stating they're closely monitoring events, but they've been informed by Israel that this is going to be a long and in-depth uh, war. Not something that we haven't been told before by them, but or not expected. There was a rescue today of a IDF soldier, female soldier that was taken hostage, where IDF special forces did go in and free her this morning. And it's interesting because... Uh, a lot of the media organizations are just saying, like, a hostage was freed. Really doesn't get into it. Like, if you just read the headlines, and, and again, the first sentence or two, which normal people kind of do, unfortunately, you know, it's unsure if the, the hostage was just released, or it just basically kind of reads as a hostage is, is released. But Israeli special forces went in to the Gaza area and retrieved this prisoner based on intel that they received, and she is safe. They showed her being crossed into the Israeli territory, and she's a female soldier that was taken from uh, the concert area down near the kibbutz when that when that was taken on. So they, they are moving in with their ground offensive. They have brought tanks and, and artillery in to the Gaza area, but they are going slow and methodically. I've saw some some planning that they they have the option to drill boreholes from the Mediterranean into the tunnel system that they have and basically just flood it. But they don't want to do that just yet because a lot of the hostages are being held there from the information they're getting. So they're doing these smaller you know, incursions to get intel, to get Hamas terrorists so they can debrief them to find out information on what where people are being held, what the, what's going on with that. Uh, they've talked about putting smoke to, to have them come out of the tunnel systems or gassing it to knock them out. But they've also received intel that these tunnel systems are heavily booby-trapped, which is status quo for terrorists like Hamas or terrorists in general. There was also an increase today of live fire between Lebanon and uh, Hezbollah rebels and uh, Israel. So that stepped up today. I know some of the reporters that were there on the scene said it's been the most they've seen since the start of this. So hopefully that's not an uptick of what's going on. And you have Iran um, saber rattling saying that uh, don't make us get involved. Don't make us get involved. Well, if if you try if you want to go there, we have two aircraft carriers within striking distance. I don't think there'll be much left of you if you do Iran. So just putting that out there. And again, we'll have the military expert on Friday, former uh, USS Cole, Harley Burke-class destroyer commander, to let us know the capabilities that we do have in that area and what they what they can do. And it's pretty much nothing they can't do with two carry groups. The Ike did reach the Mediterranean, so they probably uh, were on an expedited route because they were supposed to, what did I say, the middle of this week, middle to end of this week? Well, they just entered the Mediterranean. And they are now within striking distance with their aircraft. So it uh, lets us know what's going on there. But the, the, the boring the hole and flooding the entire system, if they do that, that kind of takes out that tunnel system from that point on. Because you know, unless they get pumps to drain all that water, and, and we're talking millions of gallons of water into that system, that tunnel system, that wouldn't, that wouldn't be a bad idea take away that entire thing but obviously if there's hostages down there and such like that they don't want to do that just yet but it is one of the options where they can bore the hole into the tunnel system and just flood the entire thing out
And then down the road, who knows, could be years from now when they turn this area back over to either a U.N. security force, another nation, or when Israel pulls back out and leaves the area because they've said they, they have no intentions of occupying it longer than they need to to clear it out of Hamas. Then they'll be able to see if they're pumping massive amounts of water out, they know they're trying to revamp this tunnel system and it gives them a heads up that something's going on there. Could also fill it with concrete, which probably be a lot of concrete and, and other ways. But the flooding of it seemed the most uh, rapid way to clean out those systems. But again, if there's hostages down there and there's, I think there are anywhere between two and 300 was their last estimate. So we'll see what's going on there. But the White House, if you're anywhere near a, uh, a TV, they are having their briefing right now. It's uh, 342 here at WILK. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show in just a minute. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. Well, I saw this uh, study where the cost of fueling an electric vehicle is equivalent to seventeen thirty-three per gallon, seven dollars and thirty-three cents per gallon. And this is uh, the complete cost of fueling an electric vehicle for ten years are seventeen point thirty-three cents per gallon. $17.33 per gallon, the equivalent gallon of gasoline. A new analysis from the Texas Public Policy Foundation says, the study author says that a $1.21 cost per gallon equivalent of charging a car cited by EV advocates. So that's what they say the average, I guess, a $1.21 cost per gallon equivalent. Of a charge. So if your car gets, you know, how many miles to the gallon, they figure it's $1.21 with your EV. But the real cost borne by taxpayers for subsidies, utility rate payers for energy investments, non-electric vehicle owners for mandate and environmental credit-driven higher vehicle costs, which they say total $48,698 per EV. Those costs must be included when comparing fuel costs to EVs and traditional gas-powered vehicles. They maintain the market would be driving towards hybrids if not for this market municipalization from the federal government as far as these uh, subsidies. And you got to figure, where do the subsidies come from? They come from us. They come from the taxpayers. So if you own an EV or not, you are supporting EVs. You are making that cost go down for someone who has an EV. You are making that $1.27 cost per gallon equivalent a reality, which truly isn't a reality because the money's coming from somewhere. So when you add all that together, they say that it costs the equivalent to $17.33 per gallon for this uh, EV. We'd be reducing emissions and improving fuel economy at the same time on a much greater scale, the author says in an interview, and he's talking about hybrids rather than direct EVs. Then he cited Toyota estimates that the batteries from an EV can power power 90 hybrids and reduce emissions 37 times more than one EV. So batteries from a single electric vehicle, battery-powered vehicle, are the equivalent to 90 hybrids to reduce emission 35 times more. The study adds up the cost of direct subsidies for buyer, the car, and chargers. And I just looked into this. So I was looking at the the Jeep Wrangler, the E, e whatever, the, the the Wrangler hybrid. And there's right now there's a seventy five hundred dollar 
rebate for that truck. Plus, there's a few more things thrown in there. Well, where do you think that $7,500 is coming from? The, the, the car company's getting it. It's a subsidy paid by the government, paid by you or me. That's where the tax dollars are coming from. The study also assumes EVs will be driven for 10 years and 120,000 miles, which the author claims is generous. And 10 years is a long time for an EV. So it says Ford is losing an estimated $70,000 per EV. Well, use it wisely. It's uh, 350. It's time for the Bloomberg Money Minute. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It is 354, 49 degrees and cloudy. You can call or text the show at 570-883-0098. For the phones, we have Greg from Scranton on EVs. Greg, what do you have on EVs? Uh, yes. Um, now, I just I just caught the tail end of your little spiel about subsidies. Just have a question. So my understanding is you think subsidies are bad for car companies because they they are 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 producing EV vehicles. Is that my understanding? No, I said subsidies that... are paid by the taxpayer, so taxpayers well, should are. realize that they are paying for these cars one way or another. Well, I understand that, but here's the thing: you know, you, you, you're you're trying to make the subsidies an evil thing. But I wish you would fight as hard for canceling subsidies for gas companies and oil companies who had the infrastructure put in from the government over 100 years ago to, to allow them to have gas companies the way they, run, they are run today. When they went from horses to cars, they were having the same type of growing pains that now gasoline vehicles are having and to EVs. So, you, you know, you, the people on the right always like to vilify. No, 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 no one on the right is vilifying anything, Greg. I'm telling you the facts with, you know, with Ford's losing an estimated $70,000 per EV when subsidies are $50,000 per vehicle. The real cost of a Ford Lightning is $150,000. And the, the American taxpayer is paying $50,000 towards that in subsidies to both the company and the car buyer. That's all I'm saying. They, they, they are rushing this through without putting an infrastructure in place, without letting the market drive it, which is why I said hybrids would be a better option. And if you listen to everything I said, I said how it broke down, how hybrids, it took 90 hybrids to one EV as far as their effectiveness, as far as the environment goes. So why aren't we pursuing with hybrids, which are a little of both? Well, okay, well, fine, but, you know, I don't like the way you, you, you talk about incentives and, and for people wanting to buy like an AUV, they get it. Like you, you just mentioned the Ford, the, the Wrangler, Jeep Wrangler, how you get a $7,500 back. And it sounds like, oh, well, you know, they're going to pay or something. Which is, which know, is a hybrid, which is a hybrid. And yes, our tax dollars are paying people to buy these cars that we're not ready for. Well, you know what our tax dollars are also paying for? For gas companies who are making billions and upon billions of dollars in profit. Okay, how many, gas powers, how many gas-powered cars are there in, in, in our area? Lots, right? But if they're making $30 billion a quarter, billion, $30 billion a quarter in, pro, in profit, that's after they pay all their expenses, why should, I have to, why should our tax dollars be how many How many government-owned gas stations are there in the city of Scranton? None. They're private, right? Why aren't they doing the same thing with electric? Do you know how many electric? Do you know how many public electric charging stations there are in the city of Scranton? And I know they're pushing this. I'm just saying we're not ready for it. 
And yes, the taxpayers have to know, because that's what this article talks about, is your true cost per gallon is $17.33 when you add in that every single taxpayer is supplementing this because they can't sell them without that. There's a reason for I that, just, Greg, I, and I'm saying let's I, let's pursue with hybrids. I just wish you would compare apples, apples to apples and go back to what the cost per with, with inflation was when gasolines were – when the government put in gasoline stations – at the, the, gov- the, the government put in gas stations. At the turn of the century, they did. They helped. Yeah, they they helped put in the infrastructure for gas stations to put. In. It wasn't always a private company that did it. And where do you get your data on that? It's like common knowledge, man. It's common knowledge that the government put in gas stations around the war, about around the, the nation. At the turn of the at the turn of the century, they did. Well, it, you're, it you're talking always... about apples and apples, but now you're talking about the turn of the century. I'm talking about now. I'm saying we are rushing. You don't believe we're rushing EVs right this second? We should be doing more of a hybrid type thing to kind of ease into it to get the if infrastructure in place. Want, hey, people want to get an EV. They can. They, I'm not. What, who am I to tell them they can't have one? You because we're paying for it. We're paying for a good portion of it. That's what subsidies are. You and I, our tax dollars, even if you don't own a car, your tax dollars are going to supply someone who's buying a $70,000 EV. Let me tell you something. My tax dollars pay for a lot of things I don't agree with either. So for you to still say, well, I don't agree for with For me this, to say the facts uh, on where our tax dollars are going, that, 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 that insults you because it's not a, it's not an agenda that no, you, that you ins- want? Insult, no, it doesn't insult me, but there are a lot of things our taxes go to that a lot of people don't agree with. Okay, now, I wish my tax and I'm, I'm talking pay, about pay this out of the 14 things that I talk about today. This is the one that I'm talking about now. All right, man. Listen, I just think, you know, I just wish you would be like more, a little bit more honest and transparent about when you're talking about the infrastructure and how, you know, it's. By when, saying, when by ago, saying we we'd be better off government. doing hybrids, which the the, 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 the the data says we should be. You could power you, 90 hybrids and reduce emissions 37 times more for one EV. That's the facts that this study that I was just talking about do. So why don't we, if you really want the environment, isn't that black and white for you? We could do 90 hybrids and you reduce emissions 30 times, 37 times more than one EV. Okay, well, that, that, that's wonderful then. I think anything that helps the environment would be a good thing. Well, that's thing. what I was but, talking about you? if you just didn't use your agenda, Greg, and want to attack Republicans. <laughs> that, that's what right. I, the whole discussion was. It's four four o'clock. It's four o'clock, Greg. Thank you for calling. Thank you.